Uh, let's pray. Jesus, we commit this time to you. Um, we submit ourselves to your word, to you as the word, and ask that you would um, teach us uh, who you are and what it looks like for us to follow you and um, help us to be open to the challenges that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's see if I can... (laughs) Did I do that or did you do that? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So this is the china that my mom and my dad got for their wedding. And every Thanksgiving, we would gather around a huge table, and despite the fact that there was much upheaval and unpleasantness in my family, it was a time where we would remember that we were in it together, that we would remember that um, that there was just a lot to be thankful for, no matter what was happening. And so I think perhaps that positive memory over time is a part of what makes Thanksgiving my favorite holiday. Um, I don't really like food, much less Thanksgiving food, to be honest with you. I, I'm not... You know, like when Eric and Sue start talking about, you know, and this and all this stuff about food, what I hear is, and then there was this food, and and there was food, and we ate more food, and it was really good food. I don't hear, you know, all the subtleties, because that's just not what I experience when I eat. But Thanksgiving, to me, is a time when people gather and we like recognize that we're together. And it's a kind of like, like having a Thanksgiving dinner to me reminds me that um, it's like it's a time to be together, whatever is going on, and remember that God is with us. Um, and, and there's food, and you know, I like sweet potato casserole, but you know. Um, so. We had 32 people crammed at a really long, broken-up table with China, right? And at the end, people are like, why on earth do we use China? Because that's ridiculous, and now you have to wash all that. But to me, that's all a part of the, the big, long table, all the people gathering and being at the same table, and my mom's China, Um, which we have to supplement with Sue's mom's China now in order to make it happen. Um, So last week, uh, well, to start, we're in a series about out of Mark where we're looking at what it is to be a disciple. And we started off with this idea of get up, right? Jesus says, get up, you have a new job, you're now a follower of me, you're not a mom or a dad or a plumber or a, I guess they didn't have plumbers back then, but <laughs> but now you are a follower of me and that is your job. That's your vocation now. And, and so he's calling them to get up 
and, and walk with him and do stuff with him. Um, and then last week, Eric uh, told us that after he asks us to get up, then he asks us to sit down. And he taught about the, the feeding of the 4,000, I think. Um, and how Jesus is just is like, you know, these people are tired. You know, let's sit down. We're going to give this great meal to them, uh, which is a really good precursor to Thanksgiving. Um, and he reminded us that a big part of this is that we need to take time to listen for what Jesus is saying. Um, coming into Thanksgiving, there's like this busyness and you know it's like oh, I had this conversation with Sue and she's like oh Thanksgiving is so stressful it's so much work and and I can get there but when I really let myself be in what I know Thanksgiving to be it's restful even though you're cooking a lot of food even though there's a lot of people around it's a time of being in the midst of what God is doing in people's lives and in the story of Thanksgiving. Um, so, let's see. Whenever anyone uh, says, um, talks about busyness or about listening, um, invariably God brings me to Isaiah 30, starting in verse 15. Um, this is the copy of it in my Bible. It's very well-worn, super highlighted, lots of dates in the corner because God keeps bringing me back to this verse. Um, He says, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, No, we will flee on horses. Therefore, you will flee. You said, We will ride off on swift horses. Therefore, your pursuers will be swift. Swift. A thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on the hill. That was kind of where I was last week. (laughs) I, you know, we had the conference. We got all this furniture. Like, there's just all this stuff that we've been doing and doing and doing and doing. And it just, I just felt like, I was on a railroad track and I, you know, I've been sick and had my concussion and sprained my ankle and all these things. And it just didn't seem to stop. Like there was just always something else that needed to do. And Thanksgiving kind of felt like, oh, God, we got another thing to do. Okay. Um, Until Sue and I prayed after we talked about that. Um, but I felt like a flagstaff on a mountaintop. I felt uh, just done. Um, and then we come into this story. Um, Mark ten seventeen says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. So throughout this gospel, you have story after story, you know, crowds following Jesus, people coming and 
He's, you know, talking to everybody and telling this new way of being. And I would imagine this young guy is like, why are people following him? Like, why are they going out? Like, he's got some new teaching. Um, Maybe he's got something that will, like, help me find what I'm looking for. Um, In this interaction, like, Jesus gets asked a lot of things. Um, A lot of times it's, you know, a ruler or a Pharisee or somebody who is challenging him. And they're like, you know, well, you know, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? You know, and Jesus gives particular answers relating to who the person is. Um, But that's not this guy. This guy isn't, like, coming to test him. He's, like, recognizing that he has something good, and he's trying to understand, is this something that I can partake of? Um, And so he asks this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Um, the, the, the idea of internal, eternal life is uh, life in the age to come. So it's in Israel, they were in the process of expecting uh, God to restore Israel, right? They were like, there was this sense um, some people, you know, talked about it. They talked about it in different ways. Some people, the, the, the Messiah is coming. Some people, there will be a messianic period. Um, but there's this idea that right now, things really suck. Rome is, in, is, is ruling over us. There's sin, injustice, like everything is not going the way it should for the people of God. And this age to come idea is that is that there's going to be this new thing that happens. There's going to be this time when things get put to right. You know, there's going to be this time when uh, justice and freedom and all of these things that they've been longing for as a people uh, will happen, okay? A lot of times when we think about eternal life in kind of American Christianity, the idea is heaven. Oh, so how do I get to heaven? And it's the sort of disembodied experience up somewhere in the netherworld who knows where heaven is. Um, that's not really what they lo- the way they looked at it at, at this time, especially like a Jewish ruler would not have looked at it like that. Um, uh, N.T. Wright says uh, um, what they were believing was that something would happen which would make everything different. A great event would occur which would bring justice and peace, freedom for Israel, punishment for evildoers, whether Jews or Gentiles, a time of prosperity when all the prophecies would be fulfilled, all the righteous dead would be raised to new life, all the world would burst out into a new and endless spring. So he's asking a pretty weighty question. You know, he's, he's like, okay, how do I participate in this life eternal, in this, like, kingdom that is moving forward into something good and beautiful? Um, and then Jesus gives him this answer, which he's like, you know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he's like, teacher, all these I have kept since I was a boy, 
right? This is not a satisfying answer to him. Like, this is what he's been doing. Um, and he is not feeling like he's a part of this thing that's supposed to be happening. He's feeling disconnected. Um, but this is the standard Jewish answer to the question. Like, they've, they, they, the different sects of Judaism disagreed about, you know, what it was going to look like, you know, what, you know, what some of the things that you had to keep in order, you know, rules you had to keep in order to get there, be a part of it. But invariably, they all went back to the commandments, okay? Like, to start with, you have to go to the commandments and fulfill the law. That's like, that's the way. Um, and, and so Jesus kind of gives them the standard answer, basically. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's you know, do that. And then it, there's this part in here where it says, Jesus looked at him and loved him um, before he gave any kind of answer. So there's this sense that whatever answer he's giving him is not, you know, he's like, he's like wanting him to come into this kingdom. He's wanting him to be a part of this new thing that he can see this man is longing for. Um, at Thanksgiving, at the end of the evening, some unfortunate parent of a uh, eight-ish year old, I think, or <laughs> seven, eight, has to say, okay, we're going home. And then all tears break loose, and it's a big tragedy, and why do we have to leave? It's not fair. We don't, I don't want to leave. I want to stay and play. And the, the parent, a lot of times, will kind of laugh a little bit, like, not, not in the sense of, like, ha-ha, you're foolish, but in the sense of, oh, I love you, and you just really want to be able to play all the time and not ever have to rest, but you're a little human in the fallen world, and if we don't get you home, you're going to be in a puddle of tears whether you're playing or not, you know? <laughs> and so there's this, like, there's this, you know, the parent, when that, I think that's the way Jesus kind of looks at this guy. He's like... He's like, I see what you're longing for, and I really love that that's what you're longing for. Um, but I don't know if you're going to be willing to do what I ask you to. Um, and then he comes into, oh, wait, we're going to go back. Um, this is just a, the next part of the, of the Isaiah 30, starting in verse 18. It says, yet the Lord, this is after you're... A, a, a banner on the hill after you're like a flagstaff up on a mountaintop. Um, it says, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you'll see them. And then in the story, he says to this young man, one thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. 
again, it's like Jesus is like, this is the thing. Like, this is me being gracious to you. Like, this is the good thing. I'm going to, like, give you rest from something that is, like, binding you up and making it difficult for you to live in, in grace and peace. And the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. What's interesting about like Jesus's response to this question is that, I mean, it happens over and over again. There's lots of different ways that people are like, you know, how do, how do I inherit the kingdom of heaven? What, you know, how do I get inter- eternal life? Like, what, what do I need to do to be saved? You know, I mean, there's all these questions that people are asking him. And he doesn't have one answer. Um, he's not, he doesn't answer from the law, even though the law is often included in the, in the things that he's saying. He answers from relationship with the person. So he's, he's looking at the kid who is like about to fall in a puddle of tears because they're so tired. And he says, I'm going to take you home to bed, even if that's not what you want. That's that's the thing that is going to actually let you play again in a way that is good, you know? Um, and it's good that you're longing for some day, like this future time when all things will be made right. It's good that you're longing to be able to play because playing is a good thing. It's a part of being created in the image of God. Um, and so with this guy, he says, sell your possessions. Um, and the guy's like... That wasn't what I wanted to hear. Like, I, you know, that, I mean, my possessions, that's not what's tripping me up. I keep the law, you know, um, and, and probably that means he gives alms to the poor and he does, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that someone who is following the Jewish law would do. A lot of good stuff, you know. Um, but Jesus is seeing that this is the thing that this man can't really, like doesn't really want to let go of. This is the thing that's keeping him bound up from really following Jesus. Um, so his answer is relational. He, he's, he's like, I want you to come follow me and this other way of living and come and be a part of my way of living. Oops. In Matthew 11, uh, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We talk about this a lot at the village um, in the sense of you know, different rabbis, you kind of, the burden that, that a rabbi offered was his teachings and his, like his answer to that question, what must I do to gain eternal life? Um, And so Jesus is saying, my burden is not weighty. Like my burden is something that's light. He's not telling this man to get rid of his wealth because he wants to see the man suffer and be poor. (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's not his intent. You know, he, he wants the man to let go of that tie to wealth because he can see that that would bring him into a restful place. 
um, he, he's like, you know, repent. You're, you're going the wrong way. Like you, like you want eternal life and this is the direction you're going, but you need to turn around and come this other direction and then you're actually going to be gaining this thing that you're longing for. Um, with my mom's china, um, I, I would, uh, especially the cups, the cups I just thought were really fabulous. And they have a little tiny rose inside them. And when I was little, I would, when we were not having Thanksgiving and they were put away, I would ask my mom to get a cup down so that I can look and see the pretty rose in the thing. And that was like my, you know, I'm like, I'm like, wow, like, that's, like, this is something really beautiful that I want to be a part of. I want this. And as, like, as I got older, there came the sense of, oh, this might be my inheritance. And probably seems this will be my only inheritance. (laughs) But, (laughs) but, but, um, like, there was this sense of Julie really wants this and wants to be a part of the kind of life that this, that this represents in our family. Um, and even with my sisters, of course, one of, one of them is a nun, so she didn't take any possessions. But, like, there was a sense that Julie really wants the china because of something good and beautiful. And so I'm grateful to not be in a family where they're squabbling over things. But I was given this huge set of china by my mom and then further on by my sisters because there was a sense that this was a part of what it would look like for me to live in the kingdom and offer uh, a restful place. And so that was a gift. That was, that was one of the gifts that I got. Um, this is not the way the disciples are thinking. Um, their response to this is like, what? <laughs> the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. So, not to name any names because I didn't ask anything, but about 14 years ago, there were three little village girls. (laughs) Um, uh, Two of them were older, around four, and one of them was around two. And uh, the older ones were out in the yard holding down the younger one, taking a necklace off of her. Right? They're like, ah, you've got to have that necklace. <laughs> this is the way we think about the kingdom of God. <laughs> we think, oh, yeah, that's really great. I'm going to take it. <laughs> you know, this is the way the Romans thought 
about victories. The Romans thought, yeah, the victories of Caesar. He goes out, he conquers people, he brings back idols and people, slaves, and and they parade back through the town. And that is the kingdom of Caesar. Is like that's the victory. Um, and God is like, you know, that's you guys are looking at it the wrong way. That's that's not what I mean, you know, because the disciples are thinking, well, if this guy has wealth and he's obeying the commandments, he must be doing pretty well. Like he should probably be able to get into the kingdom of heaven because he's doing the right things. Um, and you know, so what? You know, how, why is it so hard for him to get in? Why why can't the rich get in? Because they're the ones that seem to be being blessed. And Jesus is like, no, I'm I'm bringing a different kind of kingdom. You have a wrong understanding. Then I think it's kind of funny, Peter, who always seems to put his foot in his mouth. Um, <laughs> he and and Mark is actually considered to be written based on Peter's teachings. So like like Mark was sort of Peter's guy right recording some of his stuff. So I just it's funny, but Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, "Truly, I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children in fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. So I get this idea that Peter's sort of like, ah, well, are we good? We gave up everything, right? So uh, I, we, we're in, right? Like that, that gives us eternal life because you said give up all your possessions, and we have given up our stuff, so are we good? And <laughs> Jesus' answer is kind of like, you know you didn't really give up stuff. Like, <laughs> like, look around you. You have this community of people. You, like, you have everything you need. You're fed. You're like learning this new way of being that's bringing ble- like, blessing in your life and in the lives of the people around you that's not the thing that you lack. Like, giving up your stuff is not the thing that you lack. Well, so, uh, after Jesus tells them this thing about what's coming back to them, he says, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. So, Earlier in, in Mark, um, the disciples have been doing all sorts of, you know, well, who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? Like, I'm pretty good. Who gets to sit at his right? Can I sit at, at your right? Because I'm, like, I think I should sit at his right because I did this or I believe this strongly or... And so they're having all these conversations and, and like, if you read back through... Mark, there's there's a lot of stuff about like position, you know, who's going to be in this position, how do we know? And that's the thing that the disciples were trapped by. They were trapped by this wrong understanding of what the kingdom of heaven was going to look like. 
And so they're still trying to apply the, you know, am I going to be wealthy? Um, well, when am I going to get the houses and lands that from what I gave up? Like, you know, is that, when's that coming? Because you said it's coming, right? And and Jesus is like, no, this is this is a new relational kingdom and this is your idol. Like, like this is your possession. This is the thing that you, that's keeping you from really engaging in this new way of life is this thought of, oh, well, I, you know, I want to be first or, well, the, you know, the, the people who have money are going to, like, they're going to be saved, right? You know, or the people, you know, all these ways of thinking and he's saying no. Like, you have to leave this way of thinking and turn and follow me. Um, in, uh, uh, yeah, I already talked about this. We'll just skip this slide. <laughs> so, so going back to, um, uh, Isaiah 30, uh, in verse 21, he says, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Then you will desecrate your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold, and you will throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say to them, away with you. I think it's interesting in this passage that there's a, like you're turning to the right and the left, and the voice is behind you. Like, like you're like, okay, how do I do this? Uh, earlier in chapter 30, the, the, you know, people are trying to like get saved. And so they're like, well, let's go to Egypt and uh, see if they can help us out because God's not doing what we think he should do. So maybe we should go talk to Egypt or, you know, if we have more horses, uh, then we'll be able to fight better and we'll be able to like kind of overcome the evil that has overtaken us. And like we're doing that in different ways. Like, okay, I, um, I'm going to sell this furniture and then things are going to be okay for the village and like things will be good and then we'll maybe be able, you know, since more people are coming, maybe we'll have a place where more people can be. Um, and I'm like, I got to figure this out. Like I need to like make it happen. And Jesus is not like to the right or the left or even in front of me. Jesus is like back here saying, hey, uh, rest. Remember, repentance and rest. Repentance means you completely turn around and go the other direction. And, and what Jesus is saying is stop. Like stop trying to run after these things and make things happen yourself. Um, I, I, I have it. You know, when you're going to get these horses, those are your idols. You know, when you're going to the Pharaoh to see if he can give you money, he's your idol. You know, I am going to take care of these things. I'm going to make things right. Um, yeah, so. This is the way, walk in it. And that's kind of what Jesus is offering this man and then later his disciples he's saying he's saying you're going the wrong way and if you want to be a part of this grand story 
where like Israel is brought into restored place and the prophecies are fulfilled and you get to live that out in community with one another, um, that that's not going to happen over there. Like that's going to happen over here where I am. That's going to happen where you follow me. Um, during this time, um, like he keeps telling them about having to go to the cross. Um, last week, Eric was talking about like having a feast um, and talking about Psalm 23, where like God gives us a feast, not not like, you know, okay, everything's all taken care of and like your enemies don't exist anymore. But in the presence of your enemies, in the presence of adversity, Jesus is like, sit down. I, I'm with you. You're, you're okay because you belong to me. And um, and in order to do that, he says, you have to take up your cross and follow me. The path to that is the gospel, my gospel, not Caesar's gospel, not yanking the necklace off somebody, but this beautiful process of being given something that is a part of who you were created to be and what it is that you are going to have to have to offer in in this kingdom. Um, Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked up, up out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow, grow weary and lose heart. When we have to give something up, like when we have to go home uh, and sleep, when really what we want to do is play, or you know, when we have to wait for something good that we want rather than getting it right away, or when we are bearing a cross that's really painful and hard and, like, real persecution. Jesus is saying that's the battle that we're in. Like, that's the battle that we're in. And the way that I'm achieving victory is not like Caesar. I'm, a, I'm going to achieve victory through the cross. I'm going to achieve victory by laying down my life and bringing you into redemption and into this other way of being. Because, you know, when you go back to what they were thinking, you know, there's this sense of like, oh, well, people who, are, who have money, they're blessed. And people who don't have money, they're not blessed. But that's not what the teaching of the Jewish people was because they were aware that they were being oppressed. They were aware that their stuff was being taken. And they were longing for something that was going to be different. And even though we're like, oh, I want my stuff, I want this thing that I want to hang on to, like, there's a part of us that's like, well, what? What would be more? Like, what would be more than this thing? You know? And... So when I'm going to wrap up here and as we're 
kind of approaching another feast, the the table of communion, and um, and spending some time just trying to listen to what God is saying to us. Be open to hear what is that thing, you know, that you like that you don't want to let go of, right? It it may not be a thing. It may be a belief. It may be a way of seeing yourself. It may be a way of seeing other people. Like there's so many things that entangle us and and weigh us down. And when Jesus is asking us to give those up, we're like, ah, oh, he's so mean. He just wants to take from us. You know, and that's not what Jesus is. You know, my mom is so mean. She always makes us go home and go to bed instead of playing. That's not mean. That's that's like seeing what is needed and what's really being longed for and saying, I love you. Let's walk on this path together and do what we need to do together. Sometimes, sometimes you don't have to change a behavior even. Like I didn't not have Thanksgiving because I was tired and I felt like I was on a train track and couldn't get off. But I prayed with Sue about what was Thanksgiving and I was able to have Thanksgiving in a whole different way and enjoy my China, you know? Um, so let's take some time and, and, and think about those things. Uh, we're going to be, let's see, there's several ways to respond. I'm not, I'm not good at this part. <laughs> uh, there's offering, right? That's here. Um, if, uh, you're visiting, there's not an expectation that you would give, but you're welcome to. And if you belong to the village, then this is the way what we do is sustained. Um, and at the back there, there's the healing chair. Um, a lot of times when we're needing to figure out how to, like, even what that thing is. You know, sometimes, like, I don't always know what it is. I mean, I, I kind of do now because Jesus brings me back to Isaiah thirty fifteen all the time. But, like, there's a, there's a thing. Like, there are things that you hold on to that Jesus is just going to keep bringing you back to and, and saying, no, come on, follow me this way. And sometimes you got to sit in a chair and have people pray for you in order to really understand and hear from God what's being said. Um, So sit in the healing chair and either ask for prayer for something that's going on in your life, see if people can pray over you and find out what it is that you're holding on to that you don't want to let go of, or if you know what it is, see if there are people who will pray for you that God will pull that out of your hand because the kingdom of heaven is an inheritance not a uh something we earn it's like something that god is giving to us repentance is something that god grants to us so ask god to to grant you those things um and then the final we're going to listen to music also that's a good way to kind of hear from God. (laughs) Um, And then Jesus 
when he knew he was going to die, you know, he knew that this, like, he was headed for suffering, and he didn't really want to do it, you know, it wasn't like he's like, woohoo, suffering, it was more like, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, and, like, at that meal that, that we celebrate as communion, he said, you know, this is my body, this is, this is the way to the Father, right? This is, this is, if you eat of this and drink of my blood, that, like this is the way that you, you, that you move into redemption um, by standing with me, by believing who I am, by walking with me and following me. So if you believe um, and you already are following Jesus on that path, however stumbly it may be, um, come and take a piece of bread and dip it in the juice um, and or wine, if you'd like. And remember that Jesus died in order to bring us into this new kingdom that's pretty cool. Not, some, not just about suffering, but it's about being in something that's meaningful and real. Um, if you want to inherit eternal life and you're like, hey, I'd kind of like to follow and turn around and go the other way and see what that is. Come up and dip, take some bread and dip it in the juice and then tell someone afterward, hey, I, I took communion for the first time. I, you know, I think I want to do this. Um, if you're not at that place, we just ask that you not come up and take communion. Um, all the other stuff is kind of a, something to participate in, but communion, we ask that it be something for people who are actually wanting to follow 